Welcome to the Credit Union Business News Podcast, the only all-digital, all-business resource for credit unions. This episode sponsored by Bader Training and Consulting. We create environments where employees actually want to come to work and members want to keep coming back. Hi, I'm Ken Bader, your host for the Credit Union Business News Podcast, and I have another perfect guest for our show. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Her name is Rebecca Stone, and she is the president and CEO at Service One Credit Union in Bowling Green, Kentucky. She is a passionate and committed leader to the purpose and mission of Service One Credit Union. She defines credit union vision and strategy, establishes direction and focus. Sounds like every great credit union CEO leader. Engages leads and develops credit union associates while managing the operations and activities of the organization. She's been doing that for nearly five years at Service One Credit Union after being the EVP and COO at that credit union. She came from the banking world but we're not going to hold that against her. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate being here. I Thanks for the invite. This sounds wonderful. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't asked a question yet, so we'll figure out how wonderful it is in about five oh, minutes. I was talking about my biography there. You, <laughs> you know, you know that's, kind of, that's, kind of, that's kind of a running joke of, of some of the shows. You know, I do... Uh, uh, I've been blessed to be a guest on some other podcasts, and they read my bio, and I says, you know, that's, that guy sounds pretty good. Maybe I'll get him on one of my shows. <laughs> uh, one time I was working for, um, at the time, Nations Bank, and uh, I don't know if you uh, have know much about Hugh McCall, but he's really an interesting character, and he was up there. Uh, expounding on how wonderful Nations Bank was and how they make it and associates are happy and yaddy yaddy and the guy next to me sort of elbowed me and said god I wish I worked for that organization he's talking about <laughs> you know that's that is a great lead you know you are a natural for these shows because it's a great lead-in for our theme which is creating a best place to work and it's, it's funny you say that because many, many years ago, I worked for a credit union that had one of those best place to work plaques um, yeah. on, their, on the wall to the HR department. But it was from five years previous, and it seemed like they were really, really leaning back on that plaque because I know just down, just down the hall, there was a virtual revolving door around the HR department. People were getting severances and being pushed out and quitting, and other people were being pushed in to, to try and deal with it. It's like, you know, when, when did this happen, and can I go back in time to that organization? <laughs> exactly. Luckily, I'm only two and a half years into just the CEO slot. So, um, you know, I hope that we don't ever get there where we're leaning back on the best place to work, that we continue to move forward. But yeah. you, you of all folks probably know how difficult that is too to keep a, a culture uh, going in any organization, especially as all the changes that happen, then your culture really needs to be uh, agile because yeah. you're going to see an iterative culture, but you keep the baseline uh, going so that uh, you give our, our associates what it is that they need to yeah. want to be here at work. Yeah, ag agreed. You know, I find that, especially in times like this, where you have, you know, 
quite possibly the most unusual year of 2020 in in most people's lives. Um, you know, my parents and my in-laws uh, also like to tell me that the 60s were pretty bad, but uh, uh, I only caught the end of that decade, and I don't remember too much about it. Um, but yeah, this is an unusual year, and I find that organizations, especially credit unions, that have built uh, and uh, cultivated is probably a better verb, uh, a, a solid culture before this, you know, they, they run with the bumps uh, a little bit better. If you're trying to do culture building in a year like 2020, it's certainly not impossible, uh, but makes it a little bit more of a challenge, you know? <laughs> that, that it does. Yeah, it's kind of... I'm sort of glad that we started two years ago because it's helped uh, through this COVID-19. Yeah, uh, yeah. We had, um, interestingly enough, we had um, just converted, uh, done a core and digital conversion. We ended in the weekend of March 1st, February 29th. And so we were only a few days into that when COVID-19 raises its ugly head. And so we had to be agile and turn on a dime to be able to go from that conversion. If anybody's done one, they know how difficult that becomes. And then two, what are we going to do with COVID-19? Let's get out our business uh, continuity program and see whether we can live this pandemic version. So that yeah. sort of was, our organization did a great job. So I have to give kudos to our associates. Yeah, yeah, I, I've joked before, having gone through uh, first a, a credit union merger as an executive, shortly followed by a core conversion, um, and I, <laughs> I usually say, you know, I, I think I'll take the pandemic before another merger and conversion <laughs> combo. Uh, I think I could deal with this a little bit better, uh, but, you know, it, it, to your point, there have been some credit. In fact, one client of mine that literally had just finished a conversion uh, at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Um, and it was tough. You know, it wasn't ridiculously uh, difficult, but, you know, there's challenges with any conversion. And they're so pleased today because there's so many more things that they can do online electronically that has helped them to continue to connect with their members during this time that they just wouldn't have had if this had happened a year ago. Exactly. Um, that's, uh, that's one of the reasons why we change core. You know, we expect to grow, but we have to have a core system that's looking not just at today, but what tomorrow looks like. And they have to be, they have to be agile. They, you really need open source code so that changes can be made e easily rather than just a, a prodding along legacy system yeah. that uh, a lot of folks are still, a lot of credit unions in particular are still on. And if they want to survive, they got to sort of decide uh, where they're going to go. Are they going to be absorbed someplace else or do they want to bring their members everything that they possibly can get out there yeah. in the competition? Yeah. <clears throat> Well, the best credit unions I've seen have adopted the the right technology, uh, but to you know not unintentionally um, switch the conversation back to culture. 
I find that when they have the strong culture already in one way, shape, or form, and, no, and nobody ever has a perfect culture, it's just a, a scale of bad to mediocre to good to great, um, that when they have something that's good to great, they are able to make that human connection even through that technology, if you will. Um, and, and your credit union, I'm sure, has done that because you earned a Best Place to Work award on, on multiple occasions. And I'm always curious, you know, what is the criteria that was used uh, to enable you to earn that reward? I mean, did they take a bunch of employee surveys? Was it based on numbers? Was it based on turnover, a combination thereof? Do you, do you have a sense for exactly what you did so well in terms of the criteria in order to earn those awards? Well, I really believe that uh, when I stepped into that CEO job that we were looking, I got with our uh, human resource director and we were looking at uh, the, the culture that existed. And what I sort of recalled coming through the, the ranks in the financial industry are the things that if, if I had a choice then, if I had a voice, what I wouldn't do, and some of those things we were doing. So immediately we had to figure out how to establish a new direction. And so when we talked about that, we talked about, uh, we want a positive atmosphere of work. You know, we want the work to be challenging. We want it to be stimulating. And so how do we make that happen? That's really the associates are the key to the success of the credit union. And my feeling was that if we keep the associates positive, that the positivity will naturally flow into our member. So we had a, an initiative, a strategic initiative the first year to engage our associates so they engage our members. And uh, we tried to do that in a variety of ways besides just the environment. We did uh, talk to our associates and ask associates where they thought we could improve as a management team. And so we then began to build an agile organization, you know, where our associates could turn on a dime and had a sense of purpose every time that they came into work. And an agile organization typically means iterative. So while we have a culture and we took that view into what uh, now our associates call the culture wheel, we do know that it is iterative and we have to find new and different ways to keep uh, everyone positive. COVID-19 is, uh, you know, hit and uh, we all needed to figure out how we're going to be positive, how we're going to protect ourselves. The other thing that we did is we started talking about wanting to be a learning organization and we felt that um, if folks don't have a career path or they can't see a career path and they don't have things they do to get there, then they're just come in and they're just working. And so um, we started cre creating career paths for every position in the organization. I I'll use the teller because that's our, the member service rep because that's what yeah people see the most. And certainly that's where a revolving door happens more often than not. Correct. And so you can be an entry level teller. And when you come in, you can see that you have a path to either go from there to um, a, what's called a senior, to a branch operations person, to a manager, or 
you can take a different path over into opening accounts in the lending operation, but it's very clear. And we have certifications along the way. And then if they want to supplement that with college, then we also pay for that too. So yeah. we continue to find different ways for tellers to, to be able to have a path or one of your back office folks. So that's a couple of those things uh, that we did. I think one of the important things we wanted to promote and provide that balance uh -huh. between a prof your professional life and your personal life. And we asked them, how could we best do that? And then we started acting on their suggestions. So I think that's really what um, the criteria we set for ourselves as we began to look at how do we make this place a really wonderful place to come in and want to be and want to serve our members. And we feel, the management team feels like we're service to uh, our associates so that they can do that. Yeah, yeah, so many great points, Rebecca. Now a word from our sponsor, Beta Training and Consulting. It's pretty clear that due to COVID-19, it's going to be a long time before any large in-person events will be available in the credit union industry. You may not even want to count on having the GAC or any other conferences in 2021. Sure, there are a number of quality online options to learn, but what about those conversations with your peers during the conference coffee breaks, during lunch, and at the end of the day over dinner? Some might say that was the most valuable aspect of attending an in-person event. That's why we created the Credit Union Business News Online Collaboration Group. The program is based upon the concept of open space technology, a technique I have used successfully within the Police Officers Credit Union Association for years. It's in essence a formalized coffee break conversation that has specific topics that are critical to the credit union industry today. Would you like to learn more about being a part of it? Then send an email directly to me, Ken Bader, at kbader, B-A-T-O-R, at btcinc.net. I'll be happy to give you more information and invite you to be a guest during the next Credit Union Business News online collaboration group. You know you want to be part of the conversation. I was thinking back in the 90s when I worked for uh, a fairly large credit union in the Midwest and the, the regulator had in essence forced a succession planning program or process on us and I remember you know, in, in, in the 90s, I think, you know, this employee engagement idea was just getting birth. It was more about communication than, than engagement back then. And I remember um, thinking that this was so poignant in a staff meeting that um, the head of HR came up to speak. It, you know, you're always, you know, at least in the 90s, you're always a little bit you know, kind of scared when the human resources person comes and speaks yeah. to the staff meeting, you know, what's going on? And she explained the, the succession planning process and said that the CEO came to her and said, well, if we're going to do this, let's not just do this because we're forced. Let's use this as, as a training and development opportunity. And so we yeah. use that succession planning 
you know, not just simply to fill in the blanks so the NCUA can get off our back. Yeah, we use it as a tool to say, all right, what are the career paths available to you? You know, if, if, you, if somebody truly does see that you could be a couple of levels uh, differently in the org chart, uh, and and you're amenable to that. You actually want that path? Then great. Let's let's see what skills and uh, attributes you have for the job now, and where you know you know you're not quite there yet today, and where we can send you, whether that's outside training or inside training, or you know we could throw a book at you or something. <laughs> but I thought that that was pretty progressive at the time in the '90s. <laughs> Well, now I think it's a necessity, yeah. you know, a lot of Gallup polls have been done about uh, associate engagement and one of them that just, you know, startled me was that only, I mean, 70% of your um, employees are not engaged at work. Yeah. And so I think to myself, well, what does that cause? You know, well, I'm not sure that we get the best work out of those folks that aren't engaged. And so you really need to look at engagement. And again, maybe it is, you know, back from the 90s, but uh, you now have even a more diverse workforce. So engaging them so that you can understand how to meet each of those diverse segments needs is uh, challenging, but a necessity. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, Rebecca. Um, you know, I even go one step further. I think that you know, we, we went, I kind of alluded to it, that in the 90s and maybe early 2000s, we were in this communication mode uh, in management and that we're going to communicate everything to you. We're going to be transparent. We're going to give you all the financials. Uh, we're going to tell you exactly what's happening. You're probably not going to like it and you're going to be ticked off and it's going to mess up your job and you'll have no say about it, but you're going to know exactly what's going on in the process as you're getting screwed. Um, and then we went to this, then we went to this engagement of, you know, let's ask for opinions, you know, let's, let's get them um, to where, you know, we have surveys and we have focus groups and, and, you know, they have, uh, they can communicate to us and we have that engagement and maybe we'll have a picnic and a nap pod too that we toss in there. And I think now the best organizations have gone beyond engagement to true involvement. Uh, where everybody is involved in the process of moving the credit union forward, um, even if it is uh, an MSR, as uh, if you will, to use an example, you know they're choosing you know the charity that they want to spend time with on the credit union's time. You know they're choosing the cause that makes sense and is aligned with the organization uh, that we're going to help support, and that's involvement. And I think if we do that. Even if we fall sometimes a little bit short of involvement, we're falling back on engagement and we're not necessarily falling back on communication where we're just telling and not including. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, communications is really, um, if you were to take a survey <clears throat> over time, you would hear, well, communication is important. The associates want to be communicated with. Well, I really think that the associates are saying they want a voice. Yeah. And that's what became important. Even with, as we began to put together our conversion team, um, our associates were surprised because we had, you know, all areas of the credit union 
part of that conversion team. It wasn't just management or the managers of folks. It was that teller that came up and got to look at the information and go through all of the conversation that got us there. And I think it was much more acceptable when we really had to flip the switch because those folks had been involved. And, you know, nothing's perfect. And uh, those folks still have some work ahead of them, but at least uh, they can look back and, and own this and say, be proud of it because they're the ones that contributed making it happen. Right. And I truly believe that's the, the, the probably the best thing we can do for our associates is uh, let them have a voice and then act on that. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, a great quote that I use from time to time, which um, fits where, you, where you're going with that. And I'm looking up, not looking up at the sky, but my, my little library is right above my desk. And I'm trying to get the right book in the right person so I don't mess this up. Uh, but yes, it's from a book called Leadership Matters by uh, uh, Lee J. Uh, Collins, C-O-L-A-N. Great little book. Um, almost as good as the one I wrote, but anyhow, uh, he, he talks, he, he has a great quote in there on people support what they help create. And yeah, that's where, where I go when I talk about involvement that you know, even engagement, it isn't necessarily them creating involvement is them as you, you alluded to, okay, we're going through a conversion. What do you need to be able to do your job? Uh, and be able to do that. Ah, I see the lights went off. Did you not pay your bill? Yeah, I know. They're, it's what they're telling me to go home. I didn't. Yeah, know. that's what the board does to to, to <laughs> tell me that we've had enough. Yeah, yeah. The board's telling you, you know, you're available for other uh, other employment. By the way, the contract <laughs> extended. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Got, How got, many days have you worked here? Not counting tomorrow. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Never heard that one before. I'm gonna use that one. Yeah, I I always I always love those automatic uh, shut off um, uh, lights, especially when I'm washing my hands in in an office bathroom. Uh, what what just happened? Uh, anyhow, be that as it may. See, I told you we were gonna have fun on this show, one way, shape, or form. I'm, I'm all about that. <laughs> so you know, st- kind of even sticking with the fun theme. You know, how does you know, creating and maintaining a positive workforce um, and workplace, for that matter, really transfer to the bottom line? Because I've heard for, I've been in this industry for, you know, almost 30 years now. And, you know, we hear, you know, some ignorant, not stupid, just, you know, some ignorant leaders, you know, talk about, well, you know, what, what's this culture building stuff? What's this training going to do to our bottom line? Um, which, you know, it, it always, to me, transfers to the bottom line. How is, how is the culture transferred to the bottom line at Service One? Well, you know, uh, to, to sort of follow up on what you said, and I'm going to use the word engagement again, but it's much broader than engagement. Sure. What some Gallup polls have found is that companies lose 450 to $500 billion a year on associates that aren't engaged. Yeah. And when I say that, I mean have a voice in the place that they work. And so the interesting thing about that is 69% said they'd work harder if they were better appreciated. So if you take a look like at that, those kinds of things, then uh, we, we've done a 
variety of things that we think help our bottom line. And so, you know, just to summarize some of it, we believe and have seen that it's lowered our absenteeism. And people are here and they're working and nobody has to cover for it. It definitely, when we first, when I first came on board, we had a, a very high turnover rate. As you know, that's that you can prove the cost of that, yep. bringing someone on board, training them, then them leaving 60, 90 days out when, when you didn't want them to leave. Uh, that gets very costly. And we've seen that because we barely have any turnover rate uh, right now, unless we have a college student, they're going on to other things. It also requires, if you to use another really used up word, empower your uh, folks, then you really don't need a lot of management and supervision hanging right. over them and sitting on their shoulder. That also saves you some money. And I think any time that you can invest in proving the morale and your environment that you work in, that you will see that uh, returned, you know, several fold. So that, that's sort of how I've looked at the, the contribution uh, that all of our associates made as they embraced the organization we're trying to move to. Yeah, all very direct contributors to the bottom line. Um, I can harp on all of them, but the one that I will harp on is absenteeism. Uh, because if you really dig into a cost accounting of how much absenteeism you know, costs in hard dollars of productivity, um, it's it's tremendous. It's a it's a huge drain on on the uh, on the gross revenue of any organization. Um, and I often joke, um, our tagline at Beta Training Consulting, or at least the first part of it, is creating an environment where employees actually want to come to work. And I always joke with new clients, I said, if they don't want to come to work now, let's at least get it quickly where they're apathetic about it, <laughs> where they, yeah. eh, I'm going to work or not. You know, at least that, and we, can, we can work with that. I just don't want Sunday night. You know, half of your employees getting sick to their stomach, knowing that they're going to have to make the long, hard drive into your place of employment. That's never going to work. <laughs> well, you know, and, and you, you do, I think I worry about it if, if our associates got up in the morning and stubbed their toe and use that, you know, yeah. as a reason not to come in. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I stubbed my toe and it's not broke, but <laughs> I don't feel like coming in. I mean, that's right. what they're really saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't have a good reason to come in and do my job. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen people with, you know, dislocated shoulders from a Sunday football game come into work because they wanted to. Uh, and people with a hangnail that say, yeah, that's that's too much for me to overcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, you know, and even now, you know, I, I could always tell a decent culture um, out here in Los Angeles, as in many places, the restaurants have, have gotten hit really hard with this pandemic. And um, I've had the pleasure to work with some restaurants. And I know what hard, how hard a business that can be. And, oh. and here in California, we have a kind of a unusual, I will say personally, my opinion, ridiculous situation where people are getting paid more through unemployment than they were when they were working, 
but what I'm seeing on the positive end, which is is bringing back, you know, some feelings of, you know, people generally are good, is some of these restaurant owners are, are getting interviewed in saying, you know what, you know, almost all of my people came back, even though they had to take a pay cut in order to come back to work here, you know, because they had to go off of this unemployment. And I thought to myself, okay, that's a good culture, you know, for, for an individual to say, you know, even though in a short amount, in, a, in this intermediate short-term period, I can make more by sitting on my ass at home, that you know, bu- then busting my ass at a restaurant because it's hard work. I'm gonna go into that restaurant because I believe in that owner. I believe in that in that small business, and I want to be there because nobody is gonna go back in that type of situation unless they truly want to be there. <laughs> That's true. Absolutely, and so. I feel like I, I do feel that you know the major portion of our associates want to be here. They don't feel like they're, you know, hogtied and uh, chained to a chair to to work in this organization. Yeah. Is you know, I, sometimes what gets to me is that I, I want to strive for a hundred percent of our associates wanting to be at work, yeah. and somehow that really doesn't translate. The things that we were doing doesn't translate into a hundred percent. Of yep. associates wanting to to come into work, so uh, but I think we've got a, a a good group of folks that mostly think that way. I, I never like to fool myself believing that we're the end all and say all to an organization trying to grow a culture where people want to work. A diverse group of yeah. people at that. Yeah, I think if you can you know continually float around that ninety percent, you're doing a pretty damn good job. Uh, you're always going to have probably that one or two problem children, and uh, even if you were at a hundred percent, I would probably tell you that that's fleeting. So don't get used to it. Yeah. Um, but you know, speaking of that, you know, we we talked about the fact that you know, I and I truly believe from what I've learned from you that the vast majority of your employees actually do want to be there, which is great. And I think that that part of it is not only do employees want to be involved, but they want to be with the winner. You know, if an organization is struggling, you know, year after year, sometimes we go through some rough patches, but if it's struggling year after year, you know, even in the best of management and the best of intentions, they, they they're like, oh, I want to be with a winner, you know, not somebody that's exactly. struggling. And so you, you've proven through being branded as a best place to work, you know, as a winner on some level, you, do you have an idea of what that means to employees to be with a stable and progressive organization? Well, you know, I think that, um, that they're proud of Service One. We have some very tenured folks, and it's like their life, you know, is Service One Credit Union. They, I think, they're proud to engage with the members and and talk to the members about everything that's happening in the credit union and how we serve their needs. I, I I'm going to go back to one thing that I think that they they really love. They love having a voice. Yeah, And uh, I think that means a lot to them, just as much as being proud of the job that they're doing and us as the best uh, place to work. But we also got best uh, place to get a loan, a mortgage yeah. loan or a consumer loan. 
in uh, a couple other best of. So, you know, I'm always pleased with that. Um, but this, this idea of having a voice, I think, means something to folks. Yeah. You know, we had some, when we were going through, what is it that you need? A group of associates came and said, hey, we want to we want to we want to go out into the community and we want to serve them. Can we have a little group here? So they got themselves together, and what we agreed to do is support them, even though they raise funds other ways, and called themselves the Caring uh, Squad, the Sharing and Caring Squad. And they've done several things out in the community, like for no reason, giving somebody a, a card, five dollar card, to go to Starbucks or wherever it happens to be. And you know, I'm proud of that. So I think that uh, these folks wouldn't uh, probably be doing that if it wasn't for, I'm from Service One and we just want you to have a happy day, here you go. So yeah. I think that that voice, and I will say that in general, that uh, another statistic, um, and I'll pull out of my head, um, <laughs> feel like there's like 4.6 times more likely, an associate's more likely to feel empowered to form their best work, you know, if they have a voice. And yeah. so I think that's a, a, a big number and it, that giving them a voice is not the end all and say all, especially sure. when they want to spend 50,000 bucks and, you know, you don't have it to yeah. do to get a new platform. But overall, um, they know that management will listen to them. Yeah. Yeah, that you know, usually most credit unions, unless maybe your Navy, your school's first, or Golden One, don't have fifty thousand dollars just laying around. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, fifty thousand dollars, you know, could be it's in, in, in some states, you know, could be a personal banker. Um, but in in California, that would probably be a part time greeter. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, Thank but, goodness that's California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, that wouldn't be cost of living out here. Um, but um, yeah, I think that even with the fifty thousand, yeah, I, I think that if if people are truly involved and empowered, and it's for the right reasons, you know, they find a way to 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 find that $50,000, whether it's in the budget mm -hmm. uh, or through outside funding or, or, or so forth, kind of like you alluded to in, in your uh, sharing and caring group, if I got that right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No. Yep. And there, there, at any rate, I think that um, um, I, I guess I'm, I'm certainly proud to work here. So I, I sort of feel like the majority of our associates are too. Yeah, I could tell you're proud, and I'm sure most of your associates are as well. Um, Rebecca, I could literally talk to you for the rest of the morning on this subject because it's one that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, but I know that you know you have this thing called the credit union to run. Um, exactly. So, <laughs> so with that, I, I'm just going to thank you for not just a great show, but but just a really insightful and enjoyable conversation this morning. Well, I enjoyed it also, and it really was my pleasure to talk with you. You know, I hope we get a chance again sometime that, uh, that this has been a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. And thank you to all of you that have either watched 
or listen to this episode of the Credit Union Business News Podcast. And we will be back with you again in about two weeks with another perfect guest for our show. Take care. Learn more about Credit Union Business News at creditunionbusiness.com. Suggestions for the Credit Union Business News Podcast can be directed to Tim O'Hara at tim at cubusiness.com or Ken Bader at kbader, B-A-T-O-R, at btcinc.net. To learn more about this episode's sponsor, please go to btcinc.net.